Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know something? We started a new series last week, and I'm telling you, this is one of these series that, you know, I, for months I've had it on my heart, something I knew God wanted to, me to share with you. And, and I knew it was just going to be incredibly powerful for really for, for possibly hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions of people by the time the series, you know, goes around the world. But, but what's interesting about it is just a couple of days before starting this, the Lord spoke to me and said, gave me the release. This is it. But, but here's the thing I want to tell you. You know, this is one of these series that you're going to have to hang with me with every broadcast because we're talking about, uh, we're talking about this ability to connect emotionally and be able to actually experience people and God in, in your relationship. Because the truth is, most of us interact with people, but at a heart level, we don't really sense this heart connection. We don't really feel intimately connected with people. And sadly, for the most part, believers don't really feel intimately connected to God. Now, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't mean you're not connected to God. You see, there's a lot of everything that we everything that we need for life and godliness has already been given to us through the death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we become a believer, we are baptized into the body of Christ. And at that moment, we share in his inheritance, what he received from God. And, and what he received from God was, uh, was all the benefits of the kingdom, all the life and power of God, all the promises of God, deliverance from all the curses of God. And we uh, are given all of that because we are in him. And so, and so there's been a false premise or a somewhat false premise, really, at least I know for the last 50 years, about, about operating faith and, and being able to receive the things that God has, in fact, given us freely. And the problem is, is that we, through legalistic and religious concepts, we have approached God as if He is withholding all of these benefits from us. He's withholding all of these good things from us. And we're using our faith to try to leverage God to you know, to, to respond to us, to give us what he says that Jesus provided for us through the death, burial, and resurrection. I'll tell you, when I was doing my undergraduate work back in the early 70s in theology, I, I can remember going to these classes and, and hearing these instructors talk about faith. And they, these were good people. And, I, you know, I do not mean to be critical of them. This is just where we all were back in those days trying to sort this thing out. But I can remember going back home and when I would face a tragedy of some kind, you know, the first thing that would come to your mind through the, the religious teaching was that, well, if something's going wrong in my life, I must have opened the door. I must have done something wrong. And for some reason, God is allowing this. And so from that perspective, I'm trying to use my faith 
to get God to change his mind about something he's allowed. And I, and I can remember just saying, this can't be true. This can't be it. I don't have enough faith to change God's mind. And besides that, God doesn't change his mind. So, so we've used faith wrongly in trying to leverage God to give to us or provide for us what Jesus had already died to give us. When the real truth is, faith is just about trusting God, responding to Him in trust. In other words, in other words, we, we believe what He has said is true, and whether we're experiencing something or not, we believe that it's ours. And then being able to experience at a heart level, not just intellectual information, but being able to experience at a heart level what has actually been given to us. Because the truth is, what God has given us through the Lord Jesus Christ does not affect us until it is believed and received in our own heart. Now, from that, many of the things that we have been taught about giving over the years has been designed that we give in order to move God to give back to us. Well, you know what? That just, again, theologically, biblically, based on the New Covenant, cannot be accurate. And so, so you know, I've, I've spent 45 years, pretty much, trying to come to an understanding and, and something that works in my real life about, about giving, not, you know, giving financially, about uh, uh, giving emotionally, uh, uh, about helping and benef bringing benefit to other people, about serving, and all of these things that have to do with kind of what most people would call sacrificial living. So today I'm talking to you about what I call the great deception about giving. And this is not just about money. This is giving in relationships. This is giving mercy. You know, this is giving anything. And we need to understand how we are wired and how we were created. And everything needs to be based on what we know about God and the fact that we were created in His likeness and image. Now, last week we ended up um, uh, the Cyber Church broadcast talking about the Hebrew word for give which is Nathan or Nathan, according you know, different people spell some of these differently, and it's what's called a, a, a palindrome, which uh, which is a word that reads the same from front to back and from back to front. Now, in the Hebrew language, many of these things uh, bring forth subtle realities. The Hebrew language is not a language like Greek or English. It is not a language that is intellectually driven. And the Hebrew language uh, uh, has many subtleties that reveal what some people would call hidden truth. It's not really hidden if you, if you, if you know it. You know, it's, it's not a hidden truth. If you know how to read English and you can read something that somebody said, you know, uh, this plus this plus this equals this. That, that's a formula. It's not hidden if you can read the language. It only becomes hidden if you don't understand the language. And sadly, and I'm, and I'm not trying to bash Catholicism, and I'm not saying that Catholics today even believe what the early Catholics believe, but the Catholic Church 
outlawed the Old Testament, made it against the law to, to practice and, and teach the Old Testament among believers, and canonized the writings of the apostles and turned them into what we call the New Testament. And the problem was all of those writings were based on the knowledge of the Old Testament, which is actually the Scripture. And so when we lost the knowledge of the Old Testament, then we had no scriptural basis to define what we were reading in the New Testament. In other words, uh, if, if you know and understand the Word of God that we call the Old Testament, you'll realize everything Paul ever wrote, everything Jesus ever said, everything Peter, John, any of, any, everything they ever wrote, everything, anything they ever spoke was already there in the scriptures that we call the Old Testament. And because it was there, and if we know that it's there, we can understand things about what they were saying that's really not obvious to the average Gentile reader who has no concept of that, of that background or of that other information. So, so the, the Hebrew language has become something for us that is filled with hidden truth. It's not hidden because God hid it. It's hidden because religion hid it. It's hidden because religion did not really want you to know the truth about God because religion is about power. Religion is about world domination. Religion is about, uh, about holding uh, hostage the truth about God and what you have in Jesus so it can hold you hostage and, and milk you for money and, and whatever else that it wants to milk you for. That's, that's religion. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what denomination or what group it is. And there's no one group that's all religion. They're just people in every group that are working for re religious reasons. So in the Hebrew language, when a word is, is, is pronounced the same way, forward or backwards, this indicates that it is what I would call a continuum. It indicates that it's talking about something that happens from us, going out from us, but also that action causes something to come back to us. And so what we realize from the word give in the Hebrew language is that it is a continuum and it reflects something that has to do with our ability to give and to receive. And, and I've taught this for years and year, more years than I can even remember. It's in my book, Grace, the Power to Change. One of the things that Paul teaches us in the book of Corinthians when he's talking to the Corinthian believers about preparing an offering, he talks to them about pursuing the grace of generosity, the grace of giving, and then all of the benefits that come back to those people through giving, come back by the grace of God. Not because you gave and, and, it, and you got God to do something, but because of what's going on in your heart. That's why Paul said you've got to be a joyful giver. And we're going to, be, we're going to talk about this in this series. But now keep in mind, I, I, I'm talking about giving financially. I'm talking about when you serve at church. I'm talking about when you serve other people. I'm talking about giving emotionally. But at the end of the day, where we want to get to with all of this is what does this have to do with how... I connect to other people. What does this have to do with my ability to, uh, um, uh, to experience 
uh, my connection with others. Well, I'll tell you something, it's got everything to do with it. And, and you're going to be amazed. I'll tell you something, you're going to get some tools that are going to help you incredibly in every relationship that you have. Let me tell you something. The Word of God is the best book of psychology there is. It's the best book for understanding how to have a strong, stable nation, how to have a strong, stable life, how to have a great economy, how to succeed at life without destroying yourself. I'm telling you, the Word of God Ha it has everything we need for life and godliness. I'm telling you, but the problem is we've made it so religious that we can't even read it with our hearts open for God to teach us and bring us the value that's in it. And that's where I want to get you to. I don't want you to be a follower of Jim Richards. I want you to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to take the Word of God and, and, and use it the way God wants you to use it to have a better quality of life. You know, there's a scripture that's often quoted but seldom believed or Seldom followed from the intention that it was written. In Acts 20, 35, he says this. He says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, this scripture is usually only quoted when somebody's trying to take up an offering from you. And, you know, a, a friend of mine said this one time, and I actually, uh, I actually repeated it to some of these people back in the 80s, man, that were, you know, high performance on taking up offerings. And, they, you know, they would get in a meeting and they'd say, all right, God's told me today that the anointing for the hundredfold return is here. And uh, a friend of mine, you know, he said, uh, if those guys really believed that, they wouldn't be taking up an offering. They'd give an offering to everybody in that building. Well, you know something? I, I thought, that's the truth. And I actually repeated that to some of those guys when I used to do meetings with them, which they really didn't appreciate me repeating to them. But, but we, we tend to emphasize the blessedness of giving when we're trying to manipulate an offering or we're trying to manipulate a spouse or a friend or, or somebody else, when we're trying to get somebody to do something for us. Well, I'm going to say this. this I, I, I hope I'm not jumping too far off track, but I want you to understand something. Giving, and I used to, I used to you know, for years we had a fellowship of ministers, and, uh, you know, I ministered to ministers all over the world. You know, our Bible school, uh, our Bible college was graduating people who were going to the ministry. And so, so I used to train ministers all the time, and actually still train ministers more, more than most people realize. And and one of the things I used to always tell them about receiving an offering is this, is you, you never want to receive an offering by using guilt, by using fear, by using condemnation, by compelling them, uh, you, know, by their, you know, by their own greed. And, and here's another interesting thing. You never want people to give for your reasons unless... They happen to identify with those reasons. You say, well, well, what's left for people to, why else would people give? Well, people would give for their reasons. And, you know, if, if, you're help, if, if you're a minister and you're listening to this, listen to me. You know, one of the questions people ask me about this broadcast, and people used to ask me about this when I, you know, I pastored a local congregation for nearly 40 years. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying we were just running over with money, but you know what? We always had the money to do everything we wanted to do. And, I mean, we had to budget and we had to plan. But, 
But we weren't going from crisis to crisis. And one of the questions I've had people ask me my whole ministry life is, how in the world do you get the, 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 the money to operate because you don't really push for offerings? Well, you know what? The secret is this, is if you're doing something for God, sure, you know, you know, there would be times when we would have orphanages, maybe in the Philippines. We'd have crusades going on in different parts of the world. Starting, you know, we're starting Bible colleges, right? Bible schools all over the world right now. We're training leaders. We're writing books. You know, I mean, I can just go down this list of things that we're doing that bring benefit to other people. And when people see and they decide which ones of those things motivate them, they give for their reasons. And that's what God says. It says, let every man give you know, when he purposes in his own heart, we, I, we've made that as complicated as it gets, but purposes in your heart means for your purpose. What's your purpose for giving? Because you see, you only have a joyful heart in giving when you're giving for your reasons, not for my reasons. And giving only has a positive effect in your life when your giving is done from a joyful heart. By the way, just take a minute right now, if you will. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure and like this broadcast because you can help me help hundreds of thousands of people all over the world by liking this. That'll make more people see it. Now listen, everything God asks us to do, He only asks us to do it for our good. Now, <clears throat> religion would have you believe that the things that you're going to do for God, your giving, your, you know, the areas that you serve in, all of the things that you do are either something you're doing for, for God's benefit or it's something you're doing to elicit a response from God. Well, see, if you can do something that elicits a response from God, then you are superseding the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because God responded to what Jesus did, and everything that God has given us, He's given us because of what Jesus did. And we don't need to do something to elicit a response from God. We need to trust to believe what God has done, and out of that, connect God around the finished work, and experience what He has freely done. Now, throughout the Scripture, you have this word that, man, it's, 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 you know, there's a political correctness in the Christian world today that makes me sick and makes me want to scream. You know, if you even, if you were, if I were to announce that I'm doing a, a seminar about, uh, you know, about overcoming sin, I, nobody would show up. You know, I can remember, uh, I, I used to go to Canada and do independent uh, seminars up there. And as long as I was doing a seminar that had anything to do with grace, and it'd be an independent meeting, I'd have a thousand people a night or more show up. I'd have 400 people uh, in my daytime sessions. And, and, you know, and that happened consecutively several times. The first time I went in and did a seminar about something that wasn't about grace, I had about 400 people show up. You see, and then we have this tendency as ministers to say, well, that's what gets people there, so that's what i got to keep preaching. Well, no, that's, that's, that's really not the truth. 
there's a political correctness that says, I want everything from God, but I don't want to hear anything that has, that puts me in a position to have to give anything back or to make any kind of sacrifices in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. You're going to learn through this series. This is the plague of the millennial generation. This is the plague, the scourge of, of socialism. This is, the, this, is the, this is the corruption that is undermining every uh, aspect of the fabric of healthy community. And one of those, one of those words that's not politically correct to talk about anymore is commandment. Now, the religious legalist takes the word commandment and says, this is something you've got to do. God's going to make you do it. This is a rule you've got to live by. Well, um, and then, of course, then there's the liberal over here on the other side that says, we don't have any commandments. You know, we're free from the commandments. Well, neither one of those, neither one of those extremes are right. The word commandment, number one, is, is, doesn't mean a rule. In fact, you know, the, the, the ancient Hebrews, they... They, their sages said, woe be unto the man who views the commandment as a rule. The word commandment, basically, the closest thing we have in English is a prescription. It is a prescription for how to have a better life. It is a prescription for how to, to experience the very best that God has to offer, how to relate to other human beings, like I say, how to walk in love, how to connect to other people. So there's really, all the commandments are about helping us None of it is about doing anything for God. You've heard me, those of you who have followed me for a long time, you've heard me talk about the scripture, you know, uh, that, that people take out of context where God says, you know, uh, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And people take that and say, see, God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. So, you know, I'm just going to get my daddy to kill one of them cows. I'm going to have a steak. And, and we weave that into some kind of prosperity message. Well, the real truth is, if you go back and read that in context, God's like, I'm not hungry. I don't need anything. You're not making any sacrifice. I mean, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. If I was hungry, I'd kill one and eat it myself. So then you have to say, then, if the cattle on a thousand hills already belong to God, if he's not hungry, if he doesn't need for them to present a sacrifice to him, what's the point of the sacrifices? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked. But before we can even answer that question, Let's talk about the holiness of God, which is something people don't know, people don't understand. You see, you've got to get these foundational concepts in or else you miss the point of everything else. You know, the book of Leviticus is all about God's holy, so you be holy. If you don't understand holiness, then you will misinterpret everything in the book of Leviticus, and you'll turn into something legalistic, something religious, it's something detrimental, and something that man is doing for God. Now, <clears throat> the word holy basically means uncommon. That's, that's pretty much it. And, <clears throat> you know, the opposite of, of holiness is common, just, just being like everybody else. Now, God told the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, he said, look, come out of Egypt. And you, you remember he had them to go on uh, to eat no leaven with their meals for a period of time. And we now have what's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now we, you know, Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, they had spent all these years into captivity. And really most of what they believed about the gods 
was all about what they had seen in Egypt. So they had these concepts of what it took to satisfy the gods. They had these concepts of, 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 of what it took to please God. And so, you know, God warned them over and over and over again, don't bring any of your ideology about the gods out of Egypt with you and don't project those ideas onto me because I am and he, and he starts giving his name. He starts explaining who he is. He starts explaining that he is the one who reveals himself by his name. God was uncommon in this. And, and when, he would talk, when he would talk about who he was, then he would say, you know, be holy as I'm holy. In other words, be uncommon in the same way that I was uncommon is what God was really saying. Now, <clears throat> what God was saying was, I am not like the pagan gods. Listen. This is why, like I say, they were to leave every concept of God behind. And the whole concept of leaven bread gets beyond just individual sins. Leaven represents the religious ideology that they had by their beliefs about God that did not come from God. They came from false religions. Now, I got to tell you today, there's not a denomination alive. There's not a believer alive, including me, that isn't influenced by some false concept of God that has been carried through religion for thousands of years, or carried through a faith in God and Christianity for thousands of years. So leaven represents concepts more than details. And one of the ways you know this is that leaven has the ability to corrupt everything you believe. That's why, that's why over and over it's like get rid of all the leaven because, because a little leaven it says it corrupts or defiles the whole loaf. So more than anything else, God is a God of love. He is a God who values the people that he created. Now, the false gods were gods of wrath. Our entire concept of God being a God of wrath and basing it on the Old Testament is totally False. God is not a God of wrath. The Old Testament never was about fear. And all that comes from total religious interpretation and ignoring, first of all, of what the, the Word of God obviously says, which you can even get in the, in the English. But I'm going to tell you something. When you start looking at the Hebrew, you're like, my goodness alive, how in the world did these people ever move away from this? All the other gods were gods of wrath. He was a God of love. Another uncommon thing about the Creator God is, he initiated the relationship between him and man. He took this first step to say, I'm going to reveal myself to you. I want to show myself to you. I want you to know who I am. Whereas the worshipers of, of pagan gods, they had to seek him and they had to pursue him. And, 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 then, and they primarily did it through sacrifices. One of the uncommon things about sacrifices of God is his sacrifices were for the benefit of the worshipers. False gods, their sacrifices were to appease their wrath. I want to tell you something. Now, I know we didn't get very far today, but I'm telling you something. This is absolutely essential. Go back and listen to this over and over again because you've got to have this for us to go where we're going next week. Now, let me just mention this real quick. Like We're going to be starting next week. We'll be offering this new series that goes along with this. But I want you to go uh, check out MoveYourBoundaries.com at Impact Unlimited where you can get this new series the moment it is released 
And all the series that, that we have are dozens and dozens, thousands of dollars worth of series. You can get them for just a small subscription fee of just really just pennies a day. And right now, you may still have time to get in on the special offer that they have for $1 for the first month. So be sure and check it out because I want to tell you something. I want to make all these resources available to you and go far beyond what we can do in this program. Also, when this is over, uh, just take just, it won't take you just two minutes to go in, if you're watching on YouTube, to like and to subscribe to my YouTube channel again. That makes it possible for hundreds of thousands of people all over the world to have access to this. And last of all, every single day, I'm blasting out all kinds of resources for you that will help you, encourage you, and you build you up, and you get them for free by getting my mobile app, get it on your phone, get every member of your family have it, and that way you can, you can either listen to the audio version or watch the, the video version of all of these programs every single week, be connected to everything we do, and stay encouraged in the love of God constantly. I can't wait till next week. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.